0: superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com/slash-withamex. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like in the parking lot at your kid's Pee Wee Championship game. A trophy bigger than your 5-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.
1: What's up, everyone? Coming to you live from Mobile, Alabama. Giving you the day one recap from Senior Bowl. And it's been a wild day. Uh, before we get this kicked off, going to wait for the host, which is not myself today, Thorne Eyestrom, to hop up in here, man. But letting people get up in here, it's been a wild day at Senior Bowl. A lot of guys, risers, fallers, we're going to get to all of that. Winners, losers, some guys that maybe didn't really help their stock. Um, take some questions and eh, just see what happens on a live stream here. Um, and we will have continuing coverage of Senior Bowl all week up at fantasy bros.com. So articles we'll have these live streams are gonna go live today with this on Instagram as well as covering uh we're gonna have a live stream on YouTube on Thursday. Wednesday will be to be determined. Could be here on Instagram, could be on TikTok. So stay tuned for those details. Uh but really a lot of guys showing out. We have some player interviews that we're gonna get up on the social channels today. Um, a lot of other guys there and I I mean, honestly, this is my third or fourth year coming to senior bowl. It's been really enlightening to see all these guys, uh, especially if you take some of these small school guys, take them out of their element, different levels of competition. Uh, It's been a really good thing so far. So really excited for the rest of the week in practice. Yeah. Are we on? Yeah. I got you, Boomer. What's up, man? I'm going to let you, I'm going to hand the reins of this wonderful show over to you now.
2: All right, D bro. I, I think we start this off talking winners. And then we'll talk some losers. You know, always a always a popular uh trope when we're doing senior bowl stuff. I I think let's start with the quarterbacks. You know, let, let's go position by position. This was a tough day for the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. In particular, the morning session you had Penix, Nick's, Hartman. I thought they were all poor uh to one degree or another. Yeah, I I mean, I I just thought the morning session was poor, and then I thought Milton struggled the afternoon session. No one really stuck out. There was a lot of checkdowns, very few throws, 10-plus yards downfield. What were your thoughts on the quarterbacks today? Did anyone stand out? Can we say any quarterbacks a winner?
1: Man, I wish I could tell you that somebody was a winner, but, dude, I think that none of them were winners today. I mean, really, if anything, I it's tough to even possibly try to create a narrative for any of these quarterbacks to be a winner. I mean, you want to talk about Bo Nix, you want to talk about Joe Milton, you want to talk about uh lesser known guys like our kid out of South Alabama, but really nobody stood out. If anything, you saw a bunch of guys with stock down. So I don't want to sound like maybe this is a chalk answer Thor, but
2: I I, I can't put a W for anybody today at the quarterback position. I, I didn't really see anyone either. It was, it was, you're basically a winner today. If you didn't, if you weren't a loser, I, I think would probably be the right way to say it. We we were tossing around uh, four names specifically of of quarterback losers. Let's let's start with Bo Nix. What did you think of, of what you saw of Bo Nix today?
1: Oh, Bo Nix. I mean, captain, check down and screen. Uh, you know my thoughts of him coming into this process and really what what pushed off that from today's practice. I mean, literally it was Bo Nix... Checkdowns, screens. Oh, look at that beautiful face. We got Froton joining the live stream now. But, dude, I mean, honestly, it was just another continuation of if you thought that the the evaluation for Bo Nix was a tough one to begin with, like me, where it was like a lot of checkdowns, a lot of quick passes, a lot of screens in the system that he came from in Oregon, there was nothing to change that type of evaluation off of him based off today. But I mean, am, am I wrong with that Thor or Froton? Did you see anything else out of Knicks?
2: No, I mean the, the few times we saw him go downfield, he was errant. The accuracy was off, mm-hmm. it, you know, people coming into this event, you saw a lot of people hyping up his arm strength. I, mm-hmm. I think on the intermediate throws, you know, he has that repeatable overhand delivery. You do see velocity on those throws on his tape. I've never Mm -hmm. thought he was a good downfield thrower. He has to put a lot of his body into those balls, getting it downfield. And you saw the accuracy on tape, those balls, you know, left and right, whatnot. And today we saw the same thing, the errancy once you had to go downfield. And I felt like after we saw a couple of those throws were errant, he got super risk averse the rest of the day. And it started to become check down bow again. Uh, You know, a lot of the stuff that we saw... At Oregon, Oregon's system obviously facilitated a lot of production. With the spread of offense, you're, you're doing the quick hitters to the perimeter, and then you're letting the guys run, whatnot. I, you just wonder, in the NFL, you know, what if that translates? You certainly can't build an offense off mm-hmm. of it like you could in the Pac-12. So I didn't yeah. see something from Bo Nix that I haven't seen before. That's why he was a loser for me. It was more or less just confirming my priors about what I thought about his game. Do you have thoughts about Nix from day, Froton?
3: Yeah, I do. And, uh, you know, it kind of dovetails what you were saying, which is what does Bo Nix not do well? What have we not seen him do particularly well? And that's throw downfield. What what does he do well? And that's handle pressure. You know, he's getting the ball out at 2.44 seconds uh, on average, you know, over there at Oregon. And in terms of getting sacked, he had the second best pressure to sack rate in the entire country. So uh, we know that he can handle pressure. However, he only threw downfield 11% of the time. Do we, though? Do we, though? The-
2: <laughs> That's,
1: I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah, I, don't I mean, not if we the, know. System,
2: the system inoculated him from that, right? I mean, like, he, you know, he'd be in shotgun. He gets the ball right away, and then he's turning to the left or the right. He's throwing a quick header out to the perimeter. I don't know if he's good under pressure or not. We haven't seen him have to sit back in the pocket and survey his options downfield since Auburn, and he's badly struggled with that. Right and and you know that's why that what sent him on the the path to Oregon eventually whatnot the system inoculated from a lot of that stuff and then you're wondering in this event can he throw downfield and that was the stuff today that we didn't see as much we didn't see the accuracy of it at least at, from what I saw
1: so one point that you made go ahead Froton and then I, I want to transition this to another quarterback that we had some questions about but go ahead.
3: <laughs> no problem. In fact, there was one sequence uh, when they were doing the team drills and the team, you know, full concept, where Devontae Walker came from the left side of the formation, did a quick slant sort of across the formation. He was about 15 yards downfield, dead red, ready to go, and Bonex air air melded. And he threw it right over his head. You yeah. know, it was funny. He was so open that you saw they waited a couple plays and then went back to the same play. Except they ran it with Roman Wilson in Walker's spot this time. Ran the exact same play, exact same throw, and Nick's bounced it, threw it right at Wilson's feet. So he overthrew one. He you know underthrew the other one. We saw sort of both sides on that same play of kind of Nick's tilting when it came down to uh, you know navigating downfield.
1: Can we say that Spencer Rattler had a very similar day to Bo Nix in the sense that, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the type of prospects, but you look at two guys that varying, differing questions about their profiles, collegiate production, and stuff like that. But both of these guys in day one, to me, and and feel free to push back, guys, if you want to. But we saw Nix and Rattler take some chances. And then those chances didn't work out well. And then the rest of the day, they just neutered it and did nothing but check down city. And we were all sitting there like looking at each other, like, dude, you want to sit here and prove stuff to NFL coaches, throw in check downs, not doing anything in the, and, and, and with the play designs and stuff like that, not even trying to put up 50, 50 balls, even things like that. I mean, basically just both of them got scared up to those points, but I mean, tell me I'm wrong here.
3: Well, Rattler had that, one uh, where he did try towards the mm-hmm. end of the practice, and he went over the middle. He tried to throw about 25 yards deep, and the, the safety rolled right over. It sailed right into his chest, and it was the easiest interception of the day. So,
2: yeah, yeah, you got a point there, Debra. Other other quarterbacks, uh, Michael Penix, I, you know, he made some good throws today. You, you got to give him that. But, you know, we had the question about him, you know, both under pressure, of course, and then when he's moved off his spot, when he doesn't have the platform, throwing on the run, stuff like that. Um, That was stuff that he struggled with again today. When there was immediate pressure, when he got moved off the spot, making the quick decision and or making the accurate throw, didn't see as much of that. I didn't put him in my loser column. I I think, though, he's closer to that than he is to a a winner, certainly, Mm -hmm. Wasn't the best day for for Penix in terms of trying to to you know disprove some of those negative uh, things on his evaluation. I thought.
1: Yeah, I I don't disagree with Thor. I think that if you looked at Penix and you know my thoughts on him, like I think that his trigger is slow. What else? What did he do to prove that outside of quick passing game and things like that that were set up for him at Washington that that was different? And yes, we could give him a pass and we could talk about you know, install of an offense, new teammates, different situation and things like that. But these are the things where you talk about all of those type of hurdles are going to be present from Michael Penix when he makes the transition to the NFL. So showing doubt in this type of scene should have been something you were looking for. If you were a Michael Penix guy and saying you believed in the draft buzz and okay, could he get into the first round or hell even like continue his stock and hold as what maybe a second round pick. I didn't see anything out of Penix that really made me believe that he was anything more than the grade that I have on him, which is a round three pick.
3: Yeah, with Penix, I mean the thing that I wanted to see from him is moving the pocket a little bit, getting him off of script, uh, showing what he can do when the plays break down. Cause I know what he can do. I know he can stand there in the pocket and take a shot. We saw that happen the entire game against Michigan. But, you know, when he was throwing off a script this year, nine of 36 for 89 yards with one touchdown and one interception, they didn't move the pocket much at all. And uh, I didn't feel like we learned much about that so We didn't really know.
2: Yeah, the uh, a couple other quarterback thoughts. Sam Hartman, not a great day for Sam Hartman. Doesn't have the big arm. Doesn't look like much. Not much of an athlete. But he's got to be accurate. The accuracy just has to be there along with the decision-making in the NFL. Badly struggle with pressure each of the last two years, first at Notre Dame, then at Wake Forest, or, you know, first at Wake Forest, then at Notre Dame. Um, hasn't been a great staple of his game. And then the accuracy today wasn't the best either. I, I He was definitely a loser. The other one I would toss out, uh, Joe Milton, was okay. all over the place. He has that big howitzer of an arm. But he can't use it because he doesn't know where the ball's going if he's throwing it more than 10 yards downfield. So he becomes his check down artist. It's the strangest thing ever. He, he has one of the strongest arms on planet Earth and he just can't use it because he doesn't know where the ball's going. Thoughts on those two guys.
1: Go ahead for a time. I mean, you know, I can wax poetic about Joe Milton and his struggles today. So I'll let you lead this off because maybe you're a little bit kinder than I am.
3: Maybe. Oh, not. no, no. I, I have no delusions of grandeur about Mr. Milton. You know, a guy who's a six year quarterback took advantage of the COVID year. Five of those years spent holding a clipboard. He was at Michigan. We're waiting for him to to hopefully take over McNamara or McCarthy. Neither of those things happened. Hendon Hooker beats him out at Tennessee. He comes out. And it's the same stereotypical Joe Milton. You know, his footwork is inconsistent, I would say, which leads to the inaccuracy that we saw today and throughout the year at Tennessee. Uh, I really have a hard time believing that this guy who has Dante Culpepper's frame, you know, he's huge. He's bigger than everyone else out there. He's a physical marvel, but he just doesn't have the footwork and the accuracy and the precision.
1: Yeah, I mean, I entered this process, and and both I'm not like you guys. Like, I don't watch college all year, and I come into this with fresh eyes, but the first guy that came to mind with me when I watched Joe Milton and wrote him up for the quarterback primers was Josh Freeman. Big arm and a ton of, well, hell, there's somebody down there vibes from him. That's that's all you get from Joe Milton. Like, I mean, he was basically a human shotgun today. It was just BB's scattershot everywhere. No clue where any of it was going. So if anything, I, I'd say the biggest takeaway from Joe Milton today outside of his struggles was how do you evaluate any of the wide receivers that are getting reps with him? Because not accurate balls coming from Joe Milton's arm.
2: True story. Moving to to running back, uh, a couple of guys that caught our eye, Cody Schrader. We we might have been a little too low on Cody Schrader coming in was very smooth today. Um, He, he impressed me. Uh, Dylan Lobby, another one, the pass-catching back, was, was doing his pass-catching thing again, was very difficult to stay with, making plays downfield. And then one guy that all of us are in on, Marshawn Lloyd, was definitely a winner. Debro, take it away on Marshawn Lloyd.
1: Oh, why are you so mean, baby? Why do you try to hurt people? I love me some Marshawn Lloyd, man. That dude runs like a man possessed. And the good thing that we saw that we haven't seen, guys, out of previous year's senior ball practices, there was Chippiness, baby. They had some hitting going on. And that's one of the things where you come to these all-star events and stuff, and you're trying to evaluate different positions. Yes, you can get the quarterbacks. Yes, you can get the tight ends the run- and the wide receivers and stuff, running routes and the one-on-ones. But the running backs, it can be a harder or a tougher eval because a lot of these reps, they're running versus air or they're running certain play designs, but there's no tackling. We saw some hitting today, and that's where Marshawn Lloyd gets to shine, baby. I mean, not only did he have the explosiveness, and he looked like he was shot out of cannon, which is all over his freaking film at USC, but, dude, the the thing that I love, one of my favorite points of the day, and we were all sitting there as practice was kind of winding down, they put Lloyd in the backfield, he runs a wheel route up the sideline, dust the defender and catches one perfectly just dropped it into the basket and you're just like oh oh three down Marshawn Lloyd let's go baby
2: Froton your thoughts on Lloyd today
3: yeah absolutely I mean I came in I'm a USC guy anyways I live in San Diego so I have a natural kind of tendency to to want to lean towards the Trojans but I mean what more can I say he showed out everything we wanted to see I mean during the season Marshawn Lloyd 41% broken tackle rate. That's as good as you're going to find. That's like Bijan territory right there. 177.1 PFF elusiveness rating. That was the fourth highest in the country. So we know what we're getting with him running, but we saw him show out through the air, not just the one-on-one uh, practice stopper that, that Debro mentioned, but he also had one during the team drills, during the full 11-on-11s where he also dusted a linebacker for a long gain on another wheel ride. So we're talking about multiple really impact receptions out of Lloyd. And that's, you know, on top of a very important point, he was billed at 5'9", 210 at USC. What did he check in at yesterday? 217. I want to see a 217-pound, you know, Marshawn Lloyd lower on the shoulder at the NFL level. I'm, I'm, I believe. I'm a believer to me
2: yeah stock up for sure what about Cody Schrader a guy that you know we were all I, I don't want to say low but tepid you know sort of middle of the pack in terms of this running back class he definitely had one of the better days of the running backs what were your thoughts on him today D bro
1: uh, I thought Schrader looked good man I, I will give Schrader his props in that it's not that I was so like just just burying the guy but I was lower than maybe consensus entering this because I think he's a guy that coaches are going to love. Like he hits the hole. He gets what's blocked. He does everything right. He can hold up the volume. He's not a guy that if you had to ask him to be the starter for your franchise for a, a few weeks, like say there's injuries and things like that. Can he do that? Yes. Now, what I thought he showed out more than maybe I gave him credit for in my write ups and when we were watching film is that he was incredibly smooth. Footwork was great, and a lot of the agility drills, I mean, if you watched all the running backs go through the agility drills today, Schrader was a guy that stood out, both footwork and just, I mean, being as smooth as butter, man. So, I mean, I think that a lot of that translates to the NFL, much less the uh, skill set that we already kind of discussed here, but Froton, were you as high or higher on Schrader walking out of day one than when you entered the process?
3: I felt better about Schrader, I feel like, than when I, I walked in. I mean, 5'8", 207. Oh, um, and when keep in mind, this is a guy who's a self-made man. D2 All-American came all the way up to Missouri to earn 277 carries this year. Uh, just an absolute bell cow down the stretch for a 10-win Missouri t- Tigers team. Um, you know, I, I feel like he's an overachiever, but seeing him out there today, a little more fluid, you know, on, on tape. I guess I see him a, as a little bit more um, one-cut oriented with with maybe not the feet. He's kind of just following his blocks. Not really a side-to-side kind of guy. Catching passes, um, you know, flowing with the blocks, uh, cutting I thought he did have a little more fluidity to him than I'd originally given him credit for.
2: Yeah, speaking of fluidity, uh, Dylan Lobby out there on the pass routes, that guy can really catch the ball. I, I still don't know if you're ever going to get anything out of him on early downs or traditional, you know, as a traditional sort of meat and potatoes runner in the NFL. I think you're always going to have a better guy for that on your roster. But that guy is a fabulous pass catcher who I don't know how you take him off the field on passing downs. I think he goes into the NFL right away and is a, is a team's passing down back and is for a very long time, catches a metric ton of balls. We saw the same sort of thing from him today. He runs the snappy routes. He's agile. He also gets down the field very quickly on wheel routes and can catch the ball, make plays downfield. Uh, Debro, what were your thoughts about him coming in uh, to this event? And did your your opinion change any today watching him? I I
1: mean, I feel like it was a push today for me. I feel like he he affirmed the spots of his profile that you kind of knew that were good things and highlights of him coming in. So really, to me, was more of a push kind of day, not something where I felt like he opened a lot of eyes because I I agree with you. I mean, my my comp for him coming out was Duke Johnson. I think that if he earns consistent work in the NFL, it's going to have to be in the passing game. I think that he is passable but not exciting as far as being a rusher so in that respect i think it was more of a push but thor before we we get to any more of the running backs man i want to i want to be kind rewind here for a second we had a a question here from one of our instagram followers is spencer rattler the next taylor heineke your thoughts thor
2: i don't think taylor heineke uh because taylor heineke you had more of Taylor Heineke, to me, he's more high floor, low ceiling, right? Whereas for me, Spencer Rattler is way more high variance. And, and this is a compliment to Spencer Rattler. I think he has a higher ceiling than that, but I also believe he has a lower floor than that. To say he's Taylor Heineke is to assume that in, you know, five, six years, you can throw him onto an NFL field, you know, and he can play I don't know that I can say that, but also I think he could absolutely be better than that. I think he could absolutely be a guy who seizes an NFL starting job and, and holds to it for a long time. I don't know exactly where he goes on that. I mean, we, we talked about this every time Spencer Adler came up today, every time we talked about his tape, it's the consistency th- thing. And depending on where you came down in your evaluation, it's, more or less, do you give him the benefit of the doubt on some of that stuff? Or do you deprive him the benefit of the doubt, right? Like him losing the job at Oklahoma, was that Lincoln Riley one foot out the door? And then he just so happened to have this generational prospect who's in this class, Caleb Williams. And if not, things would have gone much better for Spencer Riley there. They certainly started out well. And then at South Carolina, he definitely had flashes there, but were all the valleys that he had – you know, can you explain that away by he had this terrible offensive line and the way that Spencer Rattler likes to play it? It's scram. You know, it's sort of like uh, uh, a lesser version of Bryce Young from the last class, where he likes to scramble around a little bit in the pocket or move around in the pocket, get better vantage points of of throwing windows. They're both on the shorter end, and he likes to drift and do different stuff like this when when he's looking around, whatnot he got himself into even more trouble behind South Carolina's offensive line because you'd see him drift to the right. There'd be immediate pressure. Now he's just dead to rights. Or he couldn't dance up in the pocket, right? He'd he, uh, denote the the rusher slower. And you wonder if he had a better offensive line. Would that whole thing have played up? I, I tend to think probably. I, I think that was a bad fit with him at South Carolina. But – I, I think it goes one way or the other. He needs to get the consistency, but he absolutely has the NFL arm. I think he has a better arm than Heineke. Short story long.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I think that it just to put a bow on it, for Spencer Rattler to be in the same conversation as Taylor Heineke, or at least as an NFL, I'm not even going to say like a starter, like but even like a stopgap player, like a quarterback to where if your starter got hurt, he can come in and give you passable play and you're still able to win games and the offense can function. His play-to-play consistency has to improve. If that doesn't improve, he's not even NFL starter quality worthy.
2: Agreed. I, you know, with Heineke, too, and some of these different guys, you have the propensity. They know their limitations, right? And so you get more checking down. You get the lower a dot, whatnot. Spencer Rattler, a lot of times in college, you know, it was an issue of either not knowing his own limitations or perhaps of the, the team around him, like the offensive line thing whatnot. He particularly got into trouble his first year at South Carolina, not adapting his play to that bad offensive line. I thought they got better this year, both in terms of the, the schematic stuff, uh, getting the ball out quicker, you know, with concepts like that, whatnot. And then Rattler also got a little bit better at that. Wasn't as haphazard with some of that different stuff, but still an issue. Um, But he has that aggressive nature and he can because he has a better arm than that. And I think like, if, if he ever hits his ceiling, you know, I I think you're talking about a guy who could be a league average NFL starter because of that, Mm -hmm. that pocket passing stuff. Like you could get Baker Mayfield ish stuff out of him. I I think maybe I, I would put it more that direction on, on Spencer Rattler. Um, but yeah, you do have that high variance as well. For do you have any thoughts on Rattler?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, it, you know, it's a, a sort of bigger issue version of Bo Nix for me with Rattler, where Bo Nix led the, the country with a 77% completion rate. As Debro correctly pointed out. both of you, Spencer Rattler is very erratic, and he also has a little Johnny Manziel to him in the way that he is. He he has a gunslinger mentality when he's getting out of that pocket, and I like that. You know, that's what I like about him. I I do want to see, you know, uh, he didn't he wasn't asked to throw deep much. You know, only a ten percent deep rate. You know, one of the lowest in the country. Um, he was pretty good when he was asked forty four percent completion rate on those deep throws. But well, when he's not completing, he's turning the ball over. Third highest complete, uh, turnover worthy play rate in the P five on throws 20 plus yards downfield. So like that, those gunslinger tendencies give, and they take away with Rattler, if he can hone them, he does have the skill to make plays off script and to, you know, to run
2: a system competently it's, can, can he rein in the bad habits? Moving to the, the wide receiver position, I thought there was more guys that at least you know, it's an easier position when you're watching an all-star event because you get the the one-on-ones. It's pretty clear to see who's standing out, who's getting shut down. Um, And so we had some clear winners and losers, I thought, from the wide receiver group uh, day one. We'll start out on the positive side with the winners. bro, you want to just toss out a couple of receivers that that you put in the winner category that, that caught your eye today?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we, uh, well, I know you and I, I for a time, we didn't talk about this guy beforehand, but Luke McCaffrey, I thought, played well. A lot of what I expected coming into this, so if you'd already read uh, my wide receiver primer, my, my comp for him was Jacoby Myers, and with McCaffrey, and this is not just laziness, like saying, oh, well, former quarterback, what have you, but for me, it was a lot of the ways that Jacoby Myers entered the NFL and where he succeeded both, yes, being out of the slot, but being as an underneath weapon against zone coverage. Those things translated for McCaffrey today. He he won routes consistently when he was asked to either run crossers or stop routes, things like that, in the short and intermediate. But again, when we saw McCaffrey get to the outside, he was asked to run, uh, I think it was a deep post and a go route today. You saw cornerbacks were either in his back pocket or had inside leverage. And that's just not the, the skill set that McCaffrey at this juncture Brings to the table. So I think he was a winner today because you saw proof of concept. Can this guy win against better corners or at least good corners? And what we already have seen him succeed in college doing. Can he do that here? And he absolutely did.
2: Proton, you got a couple of winners from the receiver group? Yeah, a couple of winners. Absolutely. Our
3: boy, Roman Wilson, who Thor and I absolutely... <laughs> Uh, oh, there we go. You knew it
2: was coming, here we go. Let, Yeah, let, oh, let, come. We in. should stop this right now. Debro do you want to give your public <laughs> apology about Roman Wilson? Is it time that you issue it?
1: <sighs> All right. We're we're going to own some L's and we're going to issue some apologies. I'm going to go first with this since, you know, this is a safe space here on the live stream. I was not immensely high on Roman Wilson coming into this process. If you read my comp for him, it was Alex Erickson. I thought he was a solid but not spectacular pros- uh, prospect. I will own my L. I am sorry, in that Roman Wilson had a freaking day, dude. Like, if there was one winner out of all of these wide receivers, I'm going to peg as the winner today. It's freaking Roman Wilson, man. Like, he crushed it. He got open religiously. He got open on a variety of routes, stop routes, crossers. He even went deep. He had multiple shots deep where maybe the quarterback didn't hit him. That does not mean that he didn't dust a corner and leave them searching for him in the dust.
2: Yeah, easy athleticism out of Roman Wilson uh, that I think is, you know, obviously is going to play at the NFL level. Guy who could run in the four threes in Indianapolis. He has the burst off the line as well. And a guy who has great hands too. I believe over the last two years combined, only three drops, zero fumbles. And he got the high leverage work at at Michigan. He didn't play in an air raid system. So some of the volume wasn't there, but on third downs and in the red zone and, and during the money times, they were going to Roman Wilson. It just was what it was. Not a great receiving core outside Roman Wilson, but Roman Wilson can definitely play big time. Winner today, another one uh, that that we were all high on coming into the. Well, actually, I'll well, I'll save my apology for the loser section of this because I, I have my own apology mm-hmm. to, to say. But mm-hmm. but we're we're still being nice. Lad McConkey had a great day. Lad McConkey was out there dusting people. If you know, with this side of Roman Wilson was definitely. I suppose the biggest winner, although McConkie was, we were all pretty high on him coming in, but confirmed all the priors. No one can stay with Lad McConkie. Um, in fact, I thought it was humorous by the end of the practice session in the one-on-ones. The defensive backs were playing way off him. No one wanted to press Lad McConkie because they knew they were going to get their ankles broken. It reminded me of last year where the, the, the defensive backs in one-on-one with Tank Dell were so tired of getting embarrassed They started grabbing him down the field. And so when all the one-on-ones, the fake refs were out there, they'd throw their flag because he was getting held every time. It was sort of the same thing with McConkie where they were like, we're just going to cede the free uh, short completion to you because we don't want to get embarrassed in front of all the NFL on the deeper stuff. Definitely a big-time winner. Do you guys have any thoughts about McConkie today?
1: Froton, I'll kick this to you. I'll let you sit here and uh, wax poetic about McConkie. Thank you, D-Bro,
3: of course. Yeah, I was very excited about McConkie coming in. And he's somebody who certainly, I would say, in the pre-Senior Bowl lead-up, had some buzz coming in. And like you said, absolutely delivered in every way. Anybody who was watching, you know, the Senior Bowl practice today saw the the spectacle that was Ladd McConkie's route running. I mean, it's special. So many so quick when he decides where he wants to go and just you see guys falling down slipping just like I mean all the time when they're trying to cover Ladd in those one-on-ones even in team stuff so I'm just all around I, I can't say enough about him and when it comes to guys that you know he had hype but guys who didn't have hype Ryan Flournoy. There we go. Man, the late invite here. Nobody nobody had Ryan Flournoy on their bingo card here of players to watch. But my gosh, at coming out of practice session one, everybody will be looking at him on day two, I'll tell you that.
2: They sure will. Yeah, Flournoy looked good. The, the ball skills, I didn't see a ton of tape. On, th- there wasn't a ton of tape of Flournoy out there. But the mm-hmm. stuff that I saw, very, very good hands, that absolutely translated. Uh, I mean, everything. It's not just that he doesn't drop it. It sucks it right in. And then, you know, he flew it to the next move, whatever um, this stuff that will be interested to see later in the process. What exactly is the athletic profile looks fast enough? You know, is he going to be able to, you know, the, the agility and stuff like that at the next level? But the, the hands definitely played look solid on the routes. The, the afternoon session, he was definitely one of the, the top couple receivers out there, period. I'm not talking about, you know, stock up, stock down. Yes, Debra.
1: Teacher, teacher, I have a question. Uh, this is not actually from me. This is from one of our followers. Uh, so I'll kick this to you two, Thor. Um, Start this off here. Who had, and this is going to peg you against two of your favorite pupils here. Who had the better day? Roman Wilson or Lad McConkie? Your thoughts. That's a tough mm. one.
2: I'm, I'm going to mm. say, I'm going to say, Roman, I know, but I'm
1: making you pick between your children right now. I know.
2: Yeah. I'm going to say Roman Wilson, um, just because it was so visually impressive him winning, you know, th- the way he was winning downfield, no one could stay with him. It, you know, it's the same thing of like the separation, but he brought that, that element of athleticism, the, the dynamic athleticism with it, where, I mean, he was just leaving guys in the dust and and you mentioned it before not every route where he got open, did he get the ball? But it was like every single time you you looked out there, he was dusting someone a lot of times intermediate or deeper part of the field. Um, Whereas McConkie, you know, in part because of the stuff I was talking about before, they made sure to keep Ladd in front of them uh, so that he couldn't do any of this stuff deeper down the field. But I I thought, I'll put Roman a little bit above, but both of them had fabulous days. I I agree with you, Froton, your thoughts.
3: Yeah, you know, with Ladd, I feel like it, it's a difference in magnitude, right? Ladd was so crafty on those short to intermediate routes, just just toying with guys, defensive manipulation. When it came to the big chunk plays and, and taking the top off the defense and really having the large magnitude plays, it was Roman Wilson. So I got to go with Roman as well.
1: Yep. Agreed. We're going to sweep it with that.
2: Yeah. Other receivers... Um... I thought Pearsall had a decent day. Some so we, we we had some disagreement about that in the house earlier. We had, we had some arguments. Uh Pearsall ran good routes. We know that he has the awesome hands, might have, you know, some of the best hands in the class. He did slip on a couple routes, D-Bro. I mean,
1: say slippage, you could say he was jammed up and, you know, couldn't get transition. I mean, it just depends on how you wanna frame it, though. Arbol- but yes,
2: well- I Okay, we'll put him as a jury out then, which will transition us into, we'll go in the in-between, a jury out receiver for you today and our column that's going to go up on Fantasy Pros here in a little bit. From the receiver group, although we are all praying he gets moved to the tight end group at some point during this week, Johnny Wilson, you had as a jury out. What were your thoughts on Johnny Wilson today?
1: Man, uh, my my love list and my, my, my heart was beating hard to sit here and see Johnny Wilson this week, and... What we saw out of him in day one, and this is the reason I'm going to say the jury is out on him. The size played up. The athleticism played up. Now, what I was hoping to see a little bit more out of him is some of the special movement skills that I saw in his film. And again, I, I don't want to categorize him categorize him as a loser and why I'm saying the jury is out on him for today is because I'm not going to throw the full eval in the trash based off of one day of practice. But did he show the same type of special movement skills on the field today? No, he looked a little bit stiffer. He had some problems getting separation, but you saw the physicality through routes. He had some tough catches. But again, we all talked about this coming into this. Johnny Wilson, part of his game and part of the concern was the drops. I mean, last year, or at least 2022 amongst 280 qualified wide receivers, he ranked 41st in drops. So the drops are part of Johnny Wilson's game, but they also, they reared their ugly head. On day one, we saw him make some really good contested catches or, tra- or catch- catches in traffic, should I say. But we also saw some easy drops from Johnny Wilson. So the jury's still out for me on Johnny Wilson. I still got belief. I still want to see him work with the uh, work with uh, the tight ends coming up. But um, was I happy uh, with Johnny Wilson's performance on day one? Not necessarily. I was hoping he'd be on a winner's category for us today.
2: Any thoughts, Proton? Any cleanup thoughts on Johnny?
3: I feel like he started out a little sluggish. You know what I mean? Um, I I feel like the moment was kind of big out there in the first half of the practice. But he closed out in the team sessions better than I expected. And so I... I, I did notice some toe dragging. And you were
1: more of the Johnny Wilson hater, I would say, entering this, right, Proton, than me? I mean, definitely. Yeah,
3: because I was uh, I was a big Keon Coleman guy in the preseason, I, in the college fantasy leagues, which I'm in myriad. Uh, I had a lot of Keon Coleman, and I was a straight fade on Wilson. But his, his ball skills, when he's concentrating at the catch point, were impressive. You know, um, I do think that his routes, he's dragging his toes out of some of his breaks, at least in the early going. Um, but he's hes 6'6", and he's 235. And if he can, you know, if you're gauging him against, you know, a, a slot corner as opposed to a linebacker like you'd be dealing with at tight end, if he can beef up and still retain some of this flexibility that he's seen, you know, I, I do think that there's a path. So, uh, you know, I, I felt okay about overall about Wilson, if we're looking at him as tight.
2: Now let's hit some some losers at receiver. I guess it's it's time for my public mea culpa. I was hey. I was Sit higher, certainly, than my colleague Debra coming into the process on mm-hmm. Xavier Leggett. Debra and I argued about him on the telephone a couple of times. Debra, well, okay, we have to set this up properly. What we did agree on was that it's one of those where you could see it two different ways, his eval Mm -hmm. because Xavier Leggett's got this wonky, uh, he has kind of a, I don't want to say wonky bill, but he's, he's this jacked receiver. He was listed at 6'3". We got the first bit of bad news about Xavier Leggett this week when he measured in at 6'1". He's still rocked up and everything like that. Um, But, you know, you know, what happened to him at South Carolina, four years he was there. He was, uh, before him, was, you know, like a, a special teams maven guy, you know, like Doing different stuff like that, but didn't make any impact on offense till this past year, and that's when he made a huge impact, broke out in a big way. Um, I saw some springiness of him on field. You saw him making uh, catch plays downfield. Saw some ball skills out of Xavier Leggett, and you know he looked not maybe not six three on field, but I, I thought he was going to measure in at least six two, and he comes in at six one. Today did not look good. Today was a bad day for Xavier Leggett. If you're talking about all the losers out there today, and and the way that I de- define winners and losers, because I know it's a trope, in in events like this, it's the difference in perception you had going in on the guy, and then you know then how he performed right in front of you there on on this you know in this this event whatnot. Leggett, I think in terms of that, is probably the biggest loser a guy where, where you thought certain things about him, or you wanted to see certain th- things from him, whatever, measures in smaller than you thought. So now he he, he has these wonky dimensions. He's 6'1", he's 220-some what, pounds, whatever. Um, and then you're, you're still hoping that you get the downfield utility, different stuff like this, but there's, there's a rawness element to his game, a guy who didn't break out until late. Today, he didn't look explosive. His routes weren't good. He wasn't getting separation. The ball skills didn't look good. He looked indecisive, frankly, out there. He made a couple catches later on, but it was a bad day for Xavier Leggett. So I, I apologize for, for my Xavier Leggett love in advance. You will be moving down a little bit on, on my ranks. You know, not everything from one practice, but certainly a guy like Roman Wilson I had behind him. I, I'll be moving Roman above him and, and a couple different guys like that. Your guys' thoughts on, on Xavier Leggett today.
1: I mean, I, I was not high on Leggett coming into the process. You saw flashes, the big worry that I had about Leggett. And part of this goes back to just the measurements. Leggett, when we thought he was a 6'3 guy, I, I mean, i put this in my write-up. He, he plays bigger than his size in some areas, and it's a good thing. But then if you look at foot speed and his agility and stuff like that and getting open in tight spaces, even late separation, I was like, he plays like a guy that's bigger than 6'3". And this is when we thought he was 6'3". And I was like, oh, he runs and a lot of the other short area stuff, he looks more like a guy that's 6'5 on film. And now then he comes out and he's 6'1". So that was already a knock going into that. But even today, I I, I talked about this when we were watching his practice reps. And also just 100% context here, Xavier Leggett was also wearing a compression sleeve on I think it was his left calf. So whether he's fully healthy, dinged up or not, we don't know that at this point, but it's something that has to be mentioned, but he looked terrible today. Like I'm I'm just not going to mince words. He looked terrible. He was clunky. He looked slow in and out of his breaks. He got separation on some of the vertical routes, but that was more physicality. Is he going to be able to do that versus NFL corners, seasoned corners? I have high, high doubts about that. So Leggett, if he was a guy that, you know, you were love listing him, you really thought, okay, he could rise. He could be a riser in the draft process. Uh-uh. Not to, based off of today, there's no executive or anybody that, that I could see that would walk away from today and be like, you know what? Leggett thought he was around four guy. Now he's around three guy. Thought he was around three guy. Now he's around two guy. I can't see how you'd walk away from that. But am I wrong, Froton?
3: No, I don't think you're wrong, but you know, I'm I'm trying to be balanced about what I did see out of Leggett today. You've got to, you know, factor in who he is and, and the lineage. Four years he was at South Carolina. He was basically a special teamer, you know, topped out around 150 yards. It, it, it was his best in his first four seasons. Um, Antoine Wells, who is a slot receiver, was really the guy who had all the buzz coming in this college football season out of South Carolina. He ends up getting hurt and, and being marginalized. And it's Leggett you hear kind of as as camp, summer camp's coming in. It was like, hey, this guy's an athlete. But, I mean, there really wasn't anything to prepare us for the kind of breakout that he had. And because of that, you know, you see the athleticism on tape. He's catching uh, a slant and just at his size, 6'1", 223, he's breaking through the secondary and taking it. So I think everybody had expectations for what we're going to see here. You know um, what I think happened is early on in the drills, you could see that he wasn't doing them with the same fervor that the rest of the wideouts were doing. Like they're banging through those gauntlet drills where he's getting pass, 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 and like going through the blocks. He just simply wasn't moving that way. Now um, where we're talking about his routes, you know, we're talking about brakes and obviously he, he's certainly slower coming out of them. There's no doubt about his acceleration, but like it wasn't he wasn't really running a diverse route tree. The, the one-on ones that we were watching Matt right after those drills, that's like the more cowbell aspect of this whole thing. You can explore the space. You have you got one guy, you got the whole field. He was stuck to that sideline. It seemed like most of the of the time he was out there. Like, it's almost like a comfort blanket. Like, okay, I know what I got over here. Um, And while I do think that the positive aspect of things for Leggett was, I thought he was able to get on top of some pretty quick cornerbacks. I, I thought his his release at the line wasn't bad. I ex- Better than I expected, given his, his breaks. You know, his footwork was okay at the start. He was able to kind of get a little edge a few times on cornerbacks the problem was converting that keeping it stacking him and then turning and being able to find the ball and make the play first ball he had he beat the guy and he turns and he has it it was almost like a replay of the marquez valdez scantling uh catch that he made towards the end of the game for the chiefs last game where he's like falling down the ball's there it's almost the same type of situation where he's wide open unobstructed and he dropped it. And I think that affected him for the rest of the way because he never even really got close to a ball uh, downfield. And then sort of made up for it with a couple of short, got a quick seven-yard hitch, and then a really nice catch on and out from Michael Pratt that we were talking about. So it was a mixed bag. But like you're saying, DeBro, it wasn't the the physical
2: marvel, like the, the agility and the athleticism we'd seen on tape that we were hoping to see. Debro, What one other guy we got to talk about? A guy you were high on coming in, Jacob Cowing. Jacob Cowing struggled today. He was, he was. I think he was my number four uh, receiver coming into the Senior Bowl. A guy who earlier in his career was a killer at UTEP, all three levels of the field. At Arizona, the last couple years, you know, we, you you called me when you were watching Cowing. You're like, I love Cowing, but what, you know, why did they do all this manufactured stuff near the line for him? That. The way that Arizona used him because they had uh, McMillan on the other side, the, the outside or the boundary receiver who's going to be a round one pick next spring. We're going to be talking about McMillan quite a bit then. But McMillan got all the downfield stuff and all the cool stuff, and then Cowing was just this became this super low a dot uh, type slot guy at Arizona. But you know he was a guy that we thought coming in was going to lick people in one on one drills. He was having trouble getting off the line today. What, what did you think about Jacob Cowing?
1: Very, very disturbing day for Jacob Cowing. I mean, what I was hoping and in my write up, I mean, on his film, I was like, you had the size concerns, of course, and then he comes in and he measures shorter and lighter than what he was listed at. So that was something, OK, well, if you already had the size concerns, you're talking about a guy that played the slot. Can he win outside? OK, well, now this becomes a, not a, a red flag, but a bigger concern in his eval. Can he do that? He did nothing to answer those questions today, like in a positive aspect. For Jacob Cowing, it was a tough day, man, and there's no way to split it about it. I mean, you're looking at a guy that if, if he was going to answer a lot of the questions about can I play on the perimeter, can I beat physical coverage, nothing that he did today answered those questions in a positive manner. You saw multiple, I mean, honestly, most of the day for Cowing was a quiet day. He either did not draw a lot of targets. When he did get targets, um, it was nothing impressive. Um, I mean, I saw him win like once over the middle, once on an out route, which is not that impressive considering his size and foot speed and stuff like that. But in a lot of the one-on-ones, you saw corners consistently getting inside leverage on him, consistently giving him problems at the catch point. So where if you were like, okay, can this guy have outside utility versus just being in the slot, being a guy we're going to have to motion to get him off of players. I thought he was a guy that you wouldn't have to do as much of that stuff because I believe that he could get off the line either by footwork or speed releases. Today, seriously hurt that type of, or at least my belief in that part of his evaluation because he just didn't, he didn't get free. He either had corners at cornerbacks in his back pocket. They were contesting him at the catch point or he simply got jammed up on routes and guys just boxed him getting inside leverage. And he was screwed from the outset.
2: time there was one tight end that stood out to us today. Theo Johnson ab- above the Penn States, Theo Johnson ab- above the rest. What did you see from Theo Johnson today? And coming into this event, what were you hoping to see? And did he answer those questions for you? And what did you see from him today?
3: Yeah, first off I'd like to say that, that that Debro analysis of of Cowing was like put that in the Louvre. Right on the money. Right on the money. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. So I just thought that was that was sensational. Uh, but yeah, the the tight end that I felt like really took the day and he did it early on and he sort of kept it. Theo Johnson Penn State now, uh, he's a guy, when we talk about guys with, with something to prove, he was in my column over here on Fantasy Pros, if you go and check that out, uh, where I give a pretty good thorough rundown of him. Somebody I was excited to see come in, and he did not disappoint. He's at Penn State, and they run a lot of 12 personnel. So he's starting as a co-starter alongside Tyler Warren. So he's splitting, you know, his, his work. Sometimes he's getting, you know, looks. sometimes he just isn't just getting anything. And this is a run based offense in the big 10. So they're already milking clock. He's he's got a lot of things that he's up against, but even still, um, you know, you come out here and he, every time, every time he was targeted, he's in contested catch situations. He's going across the middle. He's doing, you know, like uh, he'll throw out a flag. He's running the seam like every version of catch, every route he was running. And he's, a super heavyweight. He's 6'6", 257. This is a large, large man out here. Like this is, you know, aircraft carrier type size, and he's moving fluidly, easily. Um, you know, you watch how he's setting up the, you know, when he's getting those one-on-ones or even even better. He was good in the one-on-ones, but man, he was better in the team drills. When, you know, he's going across the middle and he's taking a little shot, he's not getting, you know, the full boat but i mean they're giving it to him every time contested catches six of nine contested catches in his entire penn state career he was just phenomenal in that respect 139.9 passer rating when targeted that is sky high 158 is perfect we saw everything that we got in small doses at penn state we got in larger doses today and it was everything i wanted to see
2: so that was, that was most of our offensive winners and losers. I wanted to end this episode today by going around the horn and tossing out one thing that we want to see tomorrow in tomorrow's practices day two on Wednesday, Debro, What's one thing you want to see in practice tomorrow,
1: man? Um, I would say I want to see um, I, again, the hope candle is still lit for Johnny Wilson and what I want to see. And my hope is continuing that I want to see him work with the tight ends. I think the upside is there for him. And one thing I didn't bring up when we talked about him earlier is that what I want to see from Johnny Wilson and if the projection, if he can become a tight end at the next level, because he does have the size to possibly do that. Now, whether you want to split hairs and say, okay, he needs to add five, 10 pounds, I think he can play at the size that he has right now. His run blocking, his blocking just in general, is good enough to play in the NFL from day one. But what I want to see from Johnny Wilson, I want to see him work with the tight ends. I want to see that part of the validation that maybe the NFL sees what we're hoping to see as well. And what we did see on limited reps today is we've seen Johnny Wilson, the boundary receiver. We've seen that in spades. I want to see Johnny Wilson, the slot receiver. I want to see Johnny Wilson against Nichols, against linebackers, and I want to see him go out there, look explosive, look more fluid than he did in day one, and I want to see him dominate some dudes in one-on-ones. That's what I want to see for Johnny Wilson.
2: Proton, what's one thing you
3: want to see tomorrow? Well, what I would like to see, and I'm going to take this in a literal context. Did anybody see Javon Baker out
1: there today? I did. I saw Javon Baker. What was he out there? It was a quieter day. As much hype as I had coming in for Oton. Like that that's a good point. That's a name that I hyped to Helen back before we got on this and before we got to Mobile. It was more of a quiet day, but but again, your thoughts. What do you want to see out of him?
3: Javon Baker, look, I mean, I would say that with the exception of Ladd McConkey for receivers that had a little steam uh coming in from, from the draft community coming into this. I would say Javon Baker probably had the most of the last two weeks with people, you know, kind of going back and taking a look at what he did this year at UCF and saying, wow, you know, one, can he win downfield? Oh, all day he can win downfield, you know, an Alabama transfer, a high four star, goes out there and proves he can do it. But he also this year, you know, started getting some manufactured touches, some hitches, some quick slants, you know, the wide receiver screens and proven that he could do some things with the ball in his hands. I was really excited to see him, and I just don't feel like he got loose at all in any of the team drills and and was kind of, you know, just sort of, uh, you know, pedestrian in the one-on-one. So I want to see Javon Baker, day two.
1: Yep, agreed. I'll I'll double down with that too. Want to see him explode on day two. Need to.
2: The thing I want to see on day two is one of these quarterbacks stepping up. We didn't no. see we didn't see good quarterback mm-hmm. play today. I want to see better quarterback Call play today, up.
1: And
2: I, I want to see these guys start to take some chances too. It's like you know you'd have one or two you know errant downfield throws, and then it became this this checkdown fest. I want to see guys taking some chances, throwing the ball downfield. A, at least have some courage with that, and not have a checkdown contest. One of these guys has to step forward. There's there's opportunities out there, right? Like Knicks against mm-hmm. Penix. Both those guys have a shot to go first round. If, if you know, if either one of them had an awesome process, right? Like you have an opportunity there. And then there's all this mid round jockeying going on. None of these guys sees the opportunity today. I want to see one of those quarterbacks tomorrow. Step up,
1: love it. Oh, such a damn good point. Love it's all, all the point. time
2: that we got for today. Thank you for joining our live stream Tuesday live from Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. Join us again tomorrow on Wednesday night after day two. We'll be a little bit later. We're starting up tomorrow, 6.30 Central, uh, 7.30 Eastern, because Man. we have the media luncheon where, where we get to go up to the players. They used to call it the media top breakfast, but now I I, I think we're calling the, it the okay. luncheon. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to get some intel after practice as well. But we will be back with you tomorrow night sharing all of our insights from day two practice, but also that day two luncheon, where we're going to be asking a lot of questions. Debro, our intrepid reporter, I know he's going to get a lot of good intel for you guys. We're going to ask him who their player comps are and and everything like that. We'll get some scoops for you. But appreciate you guys for joining us. For, For Derek Brown, for Eric Froton, I'm Thor Nystrom. We will see you tomorrow.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasypros.